Good morning, members. It's Tuesday, the 4th of October. Welcome to the morning meeting. Marcus, let's hear the overnight. Yes, well, as doubtless you know, a good night overnight. And the whole media world is debating, is that a one-day wonder or the pivot point? And I discussed that in the strategy piece today. I will leave that for a little bit later. But the obvious thing overnight, Wall Street up 765 points. That's 2.66%. S&P was up 2.6%. NASDAQ up 23 And the catalysts for that were a UK government U-turn on tax cuts. It's been described as a U-turn, but the truth of the matter is they have capitulated or swallowed their pride on a couple of the measures which were aimed at highest tax rate payers, uh, which is allowing the rich to get even richer. As Henry said when he came back from London, the difference between the haves and have-nots has widened a lot since he was last there. Anyway, they've just changed a few things for the haves, and I don't see it as a big U-turn. But anyway, U-turn turn on tax cuts in the UK, which has obviously calmed the bond market down. That calms the concerns about people like Credit Suisse down, which has been a rather sinister undertone in the market in the last couple of days. But I think the main thing perhaps was, and this is in capital letters in one newswire, manufacturing slowdown. There was a weaker than expected ISM manufacturing number, and it's got an inflation or price element to that number. And the suggestion is prices are coming off the top. And on the back of that, we saw some quite significant moves. The US dollar dropped 0.3%. I think when the pivot point comes, the US dollar is going to drop 2% in a night. Uh, So 0.3% isn't much, but still a good move for the optimists. Uh, US dollar down a touch, but more significantly, and have a look in the strategy piece at the 10-year and two-year US bond yield charts. And it is the first material drop in bond yields in some time. And if you were a technical analyst and looking at trend lines, you could say the UK bond yield has dropped through or broken down as far as the trend is concerned. So uptrend broken. And that's obviously been taken quite optimistically by the market. The tech sector did pretty well. But the other thing driving it is the rise in the oil price overnight, thanks to OPEC Plus, who are considering one of the biggest production cuts in a while. And the oil price shot up 4 or 5%, depending on which one you look at. And there are some big energy stocks. The energy stock led the US market. But there's ExxonMobil and Chevron. They're up over 5%. So that's obviously helped the market as well. So there are a few little elements to what happened overnight. But the obvious hope is that the UK bond crisis is over and we may have seen the peak on inflation. I think you're probably got to be super optimistic to believe this is the pivot point, but I'll come to that in strategy. The other notable thing going on today is that gold has managed a biggish $37 rise as the US dollar fell. So as the US dollar goes up, the gold price priced in US dollars goes down. So during this big rally in the US dollar in the last year, the gold sector and the gold price has performed terribly. But managed a bounce. And I can tell you that everybody's waiting for the gold sector pivot point. There are gold bugs out there and traders just waiting for the moment the sector bounces. And they've found a couple of excuses to have a go at it today. So our gold sector flying along today. Some of the other things, I was rather amazed that on the headlines on Reuters, we had the headline at the bottom was Hurricane Ian batters Gulf Coast, death toll climbs to 83. 
but above that in the rankings of business headlines was Kim Kardashian pays 1.26 million fine for paid crypto ad. Finally, the deterioration in our global business intellect is confirmed as Kim Kardashian makes it ahead of deaths in the Gulf Coast. So anyway, uh, and there we go. That will probably do me for overnight. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. Let's straight over to you for the brokers. Thanks, Cheech. So I've got an update there from Morgan's this morning out on New Hope Corporation. This is following the results which came out on the 20th of September, so quite a while ago. But Morgan's has released an update this morning and they say that they believe the main message from the results was the potential for further distribution of surplus capital. And so they're estimating that around $2 per share could be available for distribution in FY23. And that compares to $1.20 in FY22. So a fairly significant increase there. And Morgan's has also made some adjustments for the higher coal prices. And they've lifted their target price for New Hope 30% up to $7.20, which is implying a 14% upside. There's a couple of downgrades out this morning as well. Morgan Stanley has downgraded Ampol and Viva Energy Group, both down to equal weight. And their uh, target prices are around about 10% above the current market price. Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot going on this morning. Thanks, Chich. Short and sharp. Thank you very much for that, Leighton. Henry, over to you for Henry's take. Thanks, Gigi. Well, I guess uh, last night's rally just shows you what can happen when we have a crowded trade and everyone wants to get out all at once. Bonds, FX, equity markets, everything. Uh, that crowded trade very much in place. And as we saw with the oil price collapsing from 130 to 85, uh, once it uh, kicks off, it can kick off in style. And last night, it certainly could kick off in style. Our market going okay. As Marcus said, we're up over 2%. Lucky, got a bit of gold exposure in the small cap portfolio, which is nice. Also added Chalice to the, the portfolio yesterday, another 1% in that as it dropped below $3.70. So that's going nicely today. And yesterday I was on Osbiz uh, talking about buying Core Lithium, uh, buying AQZ and also buying Polynovo, all of which are going along quite well today. Talking about Polynovo in the, the newsletter today. There's a lot of focus at the moment on skin trauma. I guess this has come about because there's a TV series called Barley on Stan at the moment with Richard Roxburgh and also there was a massive article about Fiona Wood in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald now for those that know Fiona is the spray on skin genius um, but she is involved or has been involved gave it the rights to a Vita for that spray on skin so it's not Polynovo with a Novosaur product that is involved in that but it kind of is in the same field. They're certainly gearing up for expansion. COVID is over, obviously, and they are gearing up for expansion in the US and the UK and elsewhere. So I think this one looks pretty good. It did run to $2.20. There was a lot of short covering after their chairman, David Williams, bought a lot more stock in the market and it ran really, really hard. Uh, I think it's got potential to run again. It's up nearly 5% today, which is annoying because I wanted to buy it, but maybe I'll get a chance. Apart from that, just looking in terms of the strategy of Obviously, there was a um, confluence of events last night. Certainly, some of that Credit Suisse stuff was interesting. And I wrote about it yesterday, how the journalist uh, from the ABC, who actually put out the tweet uh, last week about him hearing that Credit Suisse had some problems, or didn't actually name the bank, uh, he was the one that phoned me up on Sunday for my comments about that Sunday of a long weekend in New South Wales. So I did put him straight about the issue with Credit Suisse. It was not about balance sheet. It was about execution and strategy, and they had stuffed it up but then they weren't alone with European banks. So uh, maybe that was part of the reason why he deleted his text in the end on his tweet. Apart from that, 
fact, I recorded a really, really good podcast yesterday with Louise Bedford, who some of you will know. So I'll be releasing that at the weekend. And on the call again today on Osby's Talking 10 Stocks with Scott Phillips, 10 large cap stocks, which is unusual for me. So that will be interesting. And yeah, we'll see how that one pans out. That's it. Thank you very much for that, Henry. And Marcus, straight back to you for your strategy and ideas. Thanks, Chichi. Yes, strategy. The big debate, is this the bottom of the market? Is this the pivot point or is it just a one-day wonder? Uh, It is a new month. It is a new quarter and we have two new employees. So I'm hoping that this is the new voodoo. Henry and I have clearly been bad voodoo. Whenever we go on the holiday, the market falls over. Henry is entirely to blame for what's happened in the last month. Uh, And with our new employees, Damien Shaw and Matt Latin, who we will introduce to you in time. The new voodoo has arrived, so the market's going to go up perpetually, thanks to them, I believe. But let's just have a quick look at what's happened overnight. The anatomy of that bounce, it's a one-day bounce, right? We had a one-day bounce last week, and it disappeared immediately. So let's not read too much into this. But the anatomy of it is quite interesting because it contains some of the elements that the pivot point, when it arrives, will contain, namely the US dollar is going to come off the top and it came off the top overnight. As I say, when I when the pivot point comes, I reckon the dollar, the US dollar will drop 2% in a night and then another 2%. It was down 0.3%. So let's not get too excited. But a drop in the US dollar is part of the anatomy of the big pivot point. The other thing that does need to materially peak out is the bond yield or bond yields generally or interest rates generally or Fed aggression towards interest rates and central bank aggression towards interest rates. That is evident in the 10-year and two-year bond yields in the US overnight. They have materially broken the uptrend of the last few months. And maybe when the peak comes, it's going to come subtly. It's not going to come with a a fanfare. It might come quickly, but it's not come with a, a logic that we all immediately accept on the day. It's just going to happen. So it may have just happened, but then again, it may not. And I think having seen the the door open a little bit at a big turning point in the markets. When the doors open a little bit, like, oh, is that manufacturing number the peak on inflation? The door opens a little bit and the crowd smashes through. I think what's happened overnight is a few people have meandered through. So I don't think it's really the moment yet. Uh, It may develop into it, but at this point, it would be too early to assume peak central bank aggression, to assume the peak on interest rates. But technically, in the short term, looks like it might be. The other element, which is a follower, not a leader, but you probably saw the gold price rise as well and the gold tech flying along today. Uh, I'm going to add a gold stock or two to the ideas portfolio today, not because I am entirely convinced by this rally, but I can tell you there is a massive crowd of traders and gold devotees crying out for the pivot point. They don't need much of an excuse to get going. So we'll ride their momentum today. If it's not a one day wonder, then these early gains will be the biggest gains. FOMO demands we give it a try for traders only. You don't have to. And the other thing that's going to happen at the pivot 
point is the equity market's going to have a very big day. Yesterday was not a very big day. A very big day for Wall Street is crashing up 5%. The market never crashes up except at major pivot points. So it hasn't crashed up. It's just gone up for another day. Last night wasn't the obvious big break or the big turn. It's not the sort of move and the backdrop to it is not the sort of stuff that's going to convince big institutional fund managers in ivory towers all over the world that they need to change their asset allocation and must act. It's just something that they will have noticed in their peripheral vision and will discuss in their asset allocation things, but they're not going to be saying we need to move or we're going to miss it, that the imperative isn't there in last night's move. So it's interesting to sort of take it apart a little bit and see what elements it does uh, contain. It contains some of the elements of a major pivot point, but it's unconvincing so far. As I say, the uh, drivers was a manufacturing slowdown. One US ISM manufacturing number does not a turn in the market make, but it is a piece of a jigsaw that could come together to become a picture that convinces us the worst is over, but not yet. The UK government U-turn, I'm not convinced by, and it is a psychological thing. It does seem to have just punctured the building fear about UK bonds and Credit Suisse, that uh, we're not going to have some financial crisis uh, come at us from left field out of the blue because of that. Uh, the oil price rally as well is counterintuitive. That's inflationary. That did drive the, the market up overnight. So that's not com convincing either. So conclusion is there's nothing solid or material here except perhaps the inklings that uh, bond yields may have peaked and that the Fed could possibly afford to curb their aggression. Their next meeting's not till November the 2nd. Otherwise, we have got a RBA meeting today. I don't think that's going to change anything particularly. I do notice as well some global economists downgrading their GDP forecast. Goldman Sachs did that overnight and upgraded their unemployment numbers, combined with that manufacturing number and some other brokers downgrading their end-of-year target prices. Uh, you can see that we are heading towards a fairly negative backdrop for the equity market, which is slowing global growth. So I think when we get this pivot point, it's going to be a moment of adjustment. But after that, we're we're uh, you know we're looking at recession, uh, we're looking at slowing growth, we're looking at downgraded earnings. So it's a trading opportunity more than a resumption of a bull market, I think. And that's my conclusion. So I haven't written or picked the stocks for the ideas portfolio, but I know some of you uh, who watch closely will be very keen to go risk on today and have a bit of a crack on a one-day rally as we did last week, and uh, it was. We'll see if this follows through, but I'll give you some ideas just in case you do want to have a go. I noticed today, if you notice the stocks that move on a good day, they are generally the ones that will, a good day tends to start a rally. Uh, so you might notice the retailers today. You've got things like Domino's, JB Hi-Fi, Premier Investments, Nick Scarly, Kogan, Adairs, even Meyer, Redbubble, all up over 3% today. If the peak on bond yields is going to come, then it is significant for interest rate sensitive sectors like that. Uh, also, the housing stocks, you see all the banks are up about 2.5% today. Also, the risk on sectors, lithiums uh, coming back today, resources, tech, I mean, almost everything, basically. But the theme will be peak on interest rates and
and interest rate sensitive sectors, I think, and the US dollar dropping and gold. So we'll maybe have a look at a couple of those things. And that's about it, Chi-Chi. Oh, we do have as well a technical section today. I haven't got to editing it, but it will be in later today. And then do you have any media as well today, Marcus? Media, yes. I'm on CNBC Asia today. Ooh. Ooh, not done them before, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure you'll be fine. Very good on camera. They want trade or fade or something. They want three trade stocks to go up, three stocks to go mm-hmm. down. You got them? Oh, I'll, I'll pull them out of you know where nearer the time. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, make sure you tune into that, members. Let's move over to the question of the day. Do you have any nicknames and would you like to share any stories behind them or it? Leighton, would you like to start us off? <laughs> yeah, I can. All my mates call me Tony. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious, lay Tony, but it's sort of stemmed from when I first bleached my hair, they were calling me Tones and I. So I get Tones as well. And then it went to Tony. So <laughs> that's what I get. <laughs> Very good. Damien. Yeah, Damien, no. day two, and you're letting us in on the personal <laughs> secrets. Yeah, no, I'm pretty basic. I just go by Damo. I don't have much behind that. <laughs> There's not a story behind that. The standard no. Australian Adeno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt. Adding on to that, my surname is Latin, so Latto. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Latto. Uh, yeah. I've actually got a nickname for you because you write your, on your resume, you had Matt double T uh, with the T's joined up, mm-hmm. and then you had Latin with the T's joined up, which of course is pie. Well, we pie. Pie. <laughs> <laughs> Which has other connotations, depending on what he has at lunchtime. Anyway, there we go. But myself, I've got a few. I've got Cheech, which is standard. Cheeky Chi, which is another standard one. Chicho Aurelius was, was given to me by one of my actor mates. What? Chicho Aurelius. <laughs> it, like Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> father to a murdered wife. I'm sorry, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. And then Marcus has given me my surname one, which is Nawaka Chaka, which I think... Yeah. <laughs> Hot chocolate. Yeah. Henry? Well, I have a number of uh, nicknames. Obviously, H is one, which I do feel slightly bad about, given that that was a very famous, at least in English circles, Lieutenant Colonel Herbert Jones, who died at Goose Green during the Falklands War. He was affectionately known as H and one of Victoria Cross. But I have a friend that calls me Heine uh, von Strudelbop. <laughs> Uh, but Heine uh, is a name that only one person calls me, and that is because of Heinrich Hara, who uh, wrote a book called The White Spider about climbing the uh, mountains in Switzerland. So I used to do a bit of rock climbing and a bit of mountaineering back in my youth, and I got that name from him, but him only. Otherwise, it's H or Hen is my usual nicknames. Hey, do you have any photos from your rock climbing days? <laughs> and all of that? Oh, Chi Chi, I have videos. I have Oh, hours, fantastic. Okay. Hours <laughs> videos of some fat bugger climbing up a, a sheer rock face um climbing the three sisters that sort of thing yes very good well this is power to weight ratio jemima what was your nickname this is jemima my daughter who's doing a bit of uni work today i got called sumo by my father because i was an obese baby <laughs> 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 and you did have a uh, what do they call it a, a top knot uh, and a little you, pineapple sumo bun. the sumo bun <laughs> <laughs> and you had a sumo bun very good okay. well I was called Spike because I used to put gel in my hair which no one did in those days I've got to tell you uh, actually it wasn't it was real cream and I had this habit of sleeping face down so when I woke up my hair was absolutely <laughs> stuck straight up in the air and I worked at a busboy in the Lone Star restaurant Restaurants in London, uh, and they all call me Spike because my hair stuck straight yeah. up. Uh, and I did have another when I was in a, a motorcycle group.
group, let's call it a group, not yeah. a gang, because it certainly gang. wasn't a gang. <laughs> uh, when I was in a motorcycle group, uh, you had to have your name on a badge, and they called me Seal. The singer? Or... <laughs> like the singer. <laughs> why but Why they called me Seal? <laughs> and that is a untellable story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tune into so, Market Today After Dark for uh, the story about all, <laughs> all I can tell you is Emma, uh, we were watching The Voice, and Emma was obsessed with Seal. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I That's ended up with the name Seal. That's not <laughs> but we'll bring this to a close, everyone. We'll see you back here for another morning meeting tomorrow. Cheers, guys. Thank you. See you. <laughs> <laughs>